0: Welcome back to Wellington Access Radio, 783 AM. You're with Laura and Henry on B-Side Stories. And for the second half of the show, we'll be talking a little bit about refugees. Now, Wellington region accepts more refugees than any other region in New Zealand. And for the past few years, Wellington has taken in about over 200 refugees every year. And that number will grow over the next two years as New Zealand's refugee quota increases. Changemakers Refugee Forum is a non-government group that represents refugee communities in New Zealand, and they offer support and services for people who are setting up in Wellington, and they also advocate for refugee communities. So here to talk to me about what's new at Changemakers and what kind of services they have is Ellie Clayton and Tim Lothar. Hi, guys. Welcome to B-Side Stories. Thanks very much.
1: It's good to be here.
0: So... Just a round of introductions. Mm. What what job, Tim? Let's start with you. What job do you do at at ChangeMakers?
1: Well, we all have very amorphous jobs. We're very because we're a small organization with big responsibilities. Uh, I, my title is community development worker. I have the uh, youth portfolio, which involves um, youth camp, youth leadership programs Um, a youth internship program, um, a few other things, and also the drop-in centre, which I'll talk about a bit later as well, if that's okay.
2: Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Um, How about you, Ellie? Uh, I am the office administrator at Changemakers, which is more exciting than it sounds, because as Tim Mm -hmm. says, it's a very uh, small organisation, so we all get to do lots of Lots of cool things.
1: Ellie is the glue. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: what what Ellie, what kind of people do you
0: get to meet uh,
2: when you work at Changemakers? All sorts of people, eh? Like, we work with 14 different communities mm-hmm. around Wellington. Um, so whether it's people uh, from all over, you know, there's the Tamil community, there's the uh Ethiopian community there's the Colombian community there's the Syrian community increasing now you know you meet all sorts of people it's great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: wow uh so uh why might somebody might why might they come into Changemakers to talk to you guys
1: Uh, oh I guess there's (laughs) so many things many, (laughs) many 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 things um I mentioned the um the drop-in center earlier so we have a a place called the um ahwa info hub it's it's basically drop in center it runs um every wednesday afternoon from um four to six at our office on web street uh and basically any it's a it's a welcoming place i think it has two purposes the drop-in center i think the first one is that Uh, People of refugee background can come and socialize. We have coffee on, we have tea, we have biscuits. And just to address those issues of isolation, make people feel like they're part of the community. That's number one. The the second reason is a lot of of our clients, a lot of our constituency have come across uh, problems in their access to mainstream services. So people come in with housing issues, working income issues, uh, um, health uh, issues, uh, and where where perhaps the service that they provided wasn't done so in a way that was very sensitive to their refugee background, or perhaps they were just given incorrect advice, incomplete advice. And so the the drop-in centre uh, is there also to address these issues. And we work with clients uh, through a process process. Um, to assist them to resolve these issues. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do do you have an example of uh, somebody who came into the drop-in center and how you were able to help them?
1: Yeah, many examples, many examples. Um Okay, so we have a, <clears throat> we had a recent case where someone had been uh, placed in a housing New Zealand house in um up in the Hutt Valley and uh they hadn't she had she had young children, but the place was uh, had no um, you know, fence, and it was onto, onto a busy road. And there was plumbing issues, and Housing New Zealand were very very slow to respond to to those. So we had We've worked with her, and we've managed to uh, resolve those plumbing issues almost overnight, just just by talking to Housing New Zealand, um, you know, fervently. And and uh and we're in the process of uh, of getting a fence put up. So I mean that's just a very practical uh thing that, that we've done through the um through the drop in centre. Yeah. That's... Other other things are a little bit more um I don't know, uh exciting I guess than you know, fences and plumbing. Like we we've had a few um young women who have who have supported to uh apply for um scholarships and uh yeah, one of those was successful, so hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, fencing and plumbing is very important, even though it's not very exciting. How do you think, or I mean, why do you think it took change makers to get Housing New Zealand to respond?
1: Yeah, I don't want to be um, too critical. I don't want to be too critical of government, but they, they, the the institutions that are set up for social housing, the. That perhaps they're understaffed, perhaps the staff are undertrained. I I don't know, but sometimes it just takes uh, some enthusiastic advocacy, and you can get things done. Yeah, yeah, to put it nicely.
2: I guess there are also language issues, obviously, and that people are supposed to have access to a translator, but that's not always the case, you know.
1: Yeah, someone may speak kind of you know beginner intermediate English, and. Uh, and the service provider may decide that that's sufficient to then, you know, lay on very, you know, technical information when it would just have been easier to provide an interpreter and and uh, allay any kind of potential miscommunications. Hmm. So
0: it's a pretty complex situation to deal with. And you guys are acting as a bit of a go-between.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good way of describing us. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So... Ellie, I've also heard a rumor about some youth development activities going on over there. <laughs> Can you
2: tell us a little about that? I'm going to ping that straight back to Tim. T- back to Tim. He is the youth for... <clears throat> youth coordinator.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry for hogging the mic. I just um, <laughs> we have a, a youth camp coming up, which I'm you know, which we're all very very excited about. It's the first one we're having. Uh, Twenty young people, aged between 15 and 20, um, get together up in the, um, up in El Rancho on the Capri Coast. And it's all about um, leadership and creativity and sharing of ideas. Um, and registrations are open for that for all refugee background youth at the moment. So that's the biggest thing to come on, on the youth side. We also have two youth interns. Um, uh, they work with us and we do kind of work-ready activities and introduce them to what community development is, and then we place them in a partner organisation. So I think I can announce that one we're, we're we're um placing in Fix and Fog. Yeah. So yeah, shout out yeah. to the Roman <laughs> and the guys over there. Peanut um, butter. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other one we're placing in a in a publishing house called Fresh Take uh, Publishing. Um, uh yeah so we we'll are very excited they're with us now and then in a month's time they'll be with our partner organizations and
0: those will be internships or
1: yeah they are internships yeah. in the area we try work with the young person of refugee background to identify <coughs> their interest and then place them in a in a partner organization that suits yeah
0: are there a lot of young people who come to new zealand as refugees
1: yeah 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 many yeah a lot of families come you know together or you know, parents and children, and then the children obviously grow up to become, you know, youth. Mm -hmm. Um, We, yeah, we work with uh, young people with refugee background who might have arrived as, you know, young children have been here for a while, but still because of the the communities they live in, they may still not feel, you know, completely part of the greater Wellington community, still a little bit of isolation there. So I think it's, regardless of when they arrived or how old they are, I think it's very important that we work with them. Neat. Yeah. It's our youth development. We have many other things as well, like a young ambassador's program and uh, and public speaking uh, activities and, yeah, f- throughout the year.
0: Mm. Yeah. So mm. is that about just giving people the skills to continue their education or get jobs in the workforce?
1: Yeah, part of it is um, helping young people to become work-ready. Part of it is... Um, Feeling or empowering them to um, empowering them to to voice their own ideas and opinions about what they think the major problems are for young people of refugee background and the proposed solutions, you know, from them rather than you know us you know fixing the problem for them, which is completely unsustainable and exclusive. Yeah, we're helping young people to um, to yeah become leaders. Mm. Mm.
0: As we see more, uh, refugees coming to Wellington and more people, uh, to come in the, in the coming years, what do you think their experience is like when they come to a new place and it's Wellington?
2: Do you think that they have the support they need or sometimes it's lacking?
1: Did you want to answer that, Ellie?
2: Um, yeah, I guess it's, it's mixed, eh? Like, um, people do have support from the Red Cross from the time that they arrive for the first six months or so, um. And that's with help like setting up houses and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I guess I maybe we should link this in with the Asylum Seeker Equality Project because really that's where the support is lacking. Um, so if Tim, sure. you want to talk yeah. about the background. Yeah, tell me about
0: it.
1: A major issue is that uh, there are three, so all refugees are, you know, arrive because, well, they, they come to New Zealand because of, you know, fear of persecution and fear for their lives in, in their country of origin. But the government don't see all refugees as equal. They only provide um, services, uh, refugee-specific services to quota refugees, of which there are 750 a year. They're given um, a 6 with so they're housed in a Mangari uh, refugee resettlement centre mm-hmm. and for about six weeks where they're provided English lessons, cultural lessons, um, uh, health uh, support, mental health support, which is fantastic. Uh, And then they are sent to resettlement regions, of which Wellington is one. um, And then they're provided about six months' worth of uh, support um, through a government-funded program delivered by New Zealand Red Cross. So that's fantastic. However... There are two other types of refugees in New Zealand. The second is what we call family reunification category refugees, and they are uh, family members of previous quota refugees. And about there's there's the government allow about three hundred of those per year, although they never fill that quota. It's usually low two hundreds. But it's it's solely the responsibility of their sponsor to look after them to get them settled to get them integrated obviously just a far too high of an ask for a person of refugee background themselves well, far too high mm. Um they so they arrive on a, on a visa only and after two years they can get uh, a res- their residency mm. which means that they don't have access to a lot of mainstream services that your average kiwi would so really disadvantaged the third is uh, asylum seekers. In New Zealand, we call them convention refugees. And there are about 300 claims a year, more or less, and about a third of those are approved. Um, And about 10% of claims are approved on appeal, which is concerning also. Uh, These guys, um, they, uh, they are given a work visa Uh, while their claim is being processed, that's it, and they're completely on their own. Then after it's processed, uh, if if they're approved um, and granted um, refugee status uh, in New Zealand, then same thing, a visa, then two years after that they could get residency and then have the same rights as um, any other Kiwi. So we've um, partnered with uh, the Wellington Community Justice Project on some research. Um it's called Biting Time. Marking Time. Marking Time, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Marking time and uh and that that research has identified these inequalities. Um and uh, out of that research comes a campaign. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, so we have we Changemakers has partnered with the Wellington Community Justice Project, the human rights team of that, um, to, to kick off this campaign which is um called Same Circumstances, Same Support because we really believe that however you seek refuge, you should be granted the same support. You shouldn't be left in a situation where you can't support yourself. Um, yeah, so what, what's what been done with that is there was a launch last month, and um, we had a range of speakers then, which was mm-hmm. really great. Um, and since then, we've uh, kicked off a campaign with, with the Wellington Community Justice Project, and um, that petition is calling for... Um, calling for the government to instate the same support for asylum seekers or convention refugees as uh, quota refugees. We think it's really important. So uh, that link is up on our Facebook. Feel free to go and sign it. Uh, We would love more signatures on there because we think it's really important to to raise this issue. How might a... Uh, Asylum seeker, or
0: what do you call them? Convention, convention refugee. That
1: that is an asylum seeker. Uh, Yes. And and family reunification category refugees. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: how would a convention refugee even come
2: to New Zealand? How do they get into the country? I guess quite often people um, come on another kind of visa and then seek asylum at some point during that time. Um, Mm. Yeah.
1: About 85% of claims are made at the border. So, uh, to uh, an immigration official at the airport, usually,
0: yeah. Oh, wow! So they'll Mm -hmm. they'll will have gotten their way here somehow on another kind of visa, and then announced at the airport that they're going to try to stay.
1: Yeah, and then at that at that moment, um, an immigration not that moment, but during the that processing at the airport, the immigration official has to make a very difficult decision. And they will make one of three decisions. One is that they they will, will uh, be placed in the Mangeree uh, Refugee Resettlement Center um, to stay while their claim is being processed. The other is that uh, they will be uh, released into the community while their claim is being processed. The third is that they will be put in prison yeah. for a time while their claim is being processed. And... How they make that decision, I I do not know. We don't know. Yeah. It seems a bit arbitrary.
2: Put in prison. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the really shocking part, right? There yeah. was um you've probably heard about the issues with Serco running Mount Eden and how there was organized fighting going on in that prison. Um it recently came to light that an asylum seeker was being forced to fight in that prison. Changemakers have brought this up and with um the Minister of Corrections, um uh, and had received a response saying, oh, it's the, the onus is on you to bring the proof to us, um, whereas, in fact, really refugees or asylum seekers, convention refugees, whatever, nobody should be locked up for, for seeking refuge. Um, yeah, so we were really shocked to hear that mm. wow, know, people what, are receiving this treatment. Yeah,
0: that's a very extraordinary situation.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of criticism um of Australia with their offshore detention, arbitrary detention, and so they should be. But, yeah, a lot of people aren't really aware that it's also happening in New Zealand.
0: Wow. Yeah. So tell us again how can we find you so that we can um, support that uh, advocacy for um, the Asylum Seeker Equality Project.
2: Mm. Yeah, just uh, if you check us out on Facebook, it's uh, Changemakers Refugee Forum on Facebook. Then the link to the petition is there and we're we're posting regular updates about the that campaign and all of our other campaigns as well. Yeah.
1: And the research itself is if you want to read it, obviously available on our website, crf.org.nz. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to ask about what volunteers do at
2: Changemakers
0: and yeah. um, how people can help out.
2: Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest call for volunteers we have at the moment is for our driving program, which is a really really cool program, which um, I'll talk a little bit about now. Sure. Um, yeah, so this is a program where former refugee women are given the opportunity to have driving lessons, and um, and then learn to drive, uh, practice driving with uh, with a woman volunteer Kiwi, um, and. We started this campaign because it was found that um, refugee women in particular were really isolated in the community, couldn't get out to do the shopping, couldn't get their kids around. And driving was highlighted by um, former refugees people uh, to be one of the key issues that was holding people back from taking part in the community. So this is a a really awesome program that um, we need uh, women who can drive to volunteer to take a learner driver out for practice. Um, They've already had driving lessons, professional driving lessons. They provide their own car. Um, We just need you to be there and help them out. So if you want to do that, please do get in touch with us. Um, Again, you can can email us on info at crf.org.nz or um, get in touch with us anyway. We'd love to have more volunteers for that.
1: We also have volunteer information nights. Uh, We have one coming up in low hut we need to set the date but it'll be in october sometime um if you get on the social media then those dates will be announced we also have volunteers who work with us on the ahwa info hub drop-in center and those volunteers are people who um who are you know interested in advocacy interested in supporting um you know refugees through these through navigating the very complicated um social services within wellington uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be recruiting another round of those um, in October.
0: For people who want to volunteer, say, help out with the driving
2: program, does it take a lot of their time? It um, starts off being one to two hours a week. Um, we just need you to take someone out for a drive. We're looking for volunteers in Wellington, in Upper Heart, in Porigrua, in Lower Hutt, everywhere. So wherever you live, you could join us. Um, yeah. And 83 women have actually gone through the program, um, and many of them have now got their licenses and are, you know, you could be part of that woman's journey. It's a great thing to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. I just think anything we can do to welcome people, make them feel like they're a part of Wellington, that's, um, that's a really valuable thing to do for the community. mm mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. We also have run events occasionally as well. So if people don't have much time to, um, to be able to commit, they can just register for us to volunteer for events and we can get in touch with them. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. We love having people helping us out with stuff and getting involved. <laughs> it's great.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Mm. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for coming on B-Side Stories and talking to us about Changemakers and all the neat things that are going on at the moment.
1: You're very welcome, of course. Yeah,
0: thank you for having us.